Let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this new year as we begin. And let us, let us revel in joy in the time that we, we celebrated, the, have been celebrating the birth of your son. Let us always remember that you're the, here for us always and that we should be here for you always. Lord, so as we as we celebrate the communion today let us be deep thought about the about this precious gift that was given to us to save us from our sins we ask this in Jesus's name amen, amen. amen. we want to welcome back those that have been on on vacation good to see you back for, from their holiday visits all right let's worship our lord January, I'm going to read the January 1st. In tune with the master, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 32, 7. Out west, an old shepherd had a violin, but 
it was out of tune, and he had no way of tuning it. So in desperation, he wrote to one of the radio stations and asked them at a certain hour on a certain day to strike the tone A. The officials of the station decided they would accommodate the old fellow. And on that particular day, the true tone of A was broadcast. His fiddle was thus tuned, and once more his cabin echoed of beautiful music. When we live apart from God, our lives get out of tune, out of harmony with others and out of harmony with God. But if we live in tune with our master, we too will find ourselves surrounded with his beautiful music. As this new year begins, ask God to help you tune your life with the master so that you can bring harmony to others and to yourself. The hope for today, are you feeling weary and worn? Are you desperate for some, something to change? Ask God to reveal where your life may be out of tune, and he will be faithful to bring it into tune. I want to add one more little statement. We teach precept Bible studies in our women's Bible study, and the precept Bible studies has a plumb line as it's um, uh, the thing that's on its cover, and I've, I've seen that plumb line for 35 years now. And the reason they use a plumb line is that we need to plumb up to God's word. That's our plumb line. If you're out of tune, you'll find your tune in his word. If you'd like to stand, join us. <clears throat> so if we're out of tune this morning, yeah. I know why. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
Testament scripture is from Jeremiah 31, verses 7 through 14. Now this is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Israel. Shout for the greatest of nations. Shout out with praise and joy. Save your people, O Lord, the remnant of Israel. For I will bring them from the north and from the distant corners of the earth. I will not forget the blind and the lame, the expectant mothers and the women in labor. A great company will return. Tears of joy will stream down their faces, and I will lead them home with great care. They will walk beside quiet streams and on smooth paths where they will not stumble. For I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my oldest child. Listen to this message from the Lord. Your nations of the world, proclaim it in distant coastlands. The Lord who scattered his people will gather them from and watch over them as shepherds do their flock. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy on the heights of Jerusalem. They will be radiant because of the Lord's good gifts and abundant crops of grain, new wine, and olive oil, and healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like the watered gardens, and all their sorrows will be gone. The young women will dance for joy, and the men, old and young, will join in the celebration. I will turn their mourning into joy, I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. The priests will enjoy abundance, and my people will feast on their good gifts. I, the Lord, have spoken. And if you'd like to stand as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There's a song in the
Testament reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning, the Lord, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world, he, into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and the only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds. This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law that was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. If you take your bulletin, we have responsive reading. Arise, shine, for the light of the world has come. Darkness covers the earth and its people, but the radiance of God's light burns away its shadows, illuminates the smallest corner and heralds in the start of a new dawn. Hearts no longer fear, souls might be set free. And sister shall follow brother, nation shall follow nation. Kings and priests bow down in awe before the one who comes to reign. Arise, shine, for the light of the world has come. Alleluia. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the gift of your son and for the time that we spend learning about him. And Lord, may we spend more, may we, may we focus and learn more about how you would have us be. Your rules, your guidelines for 
for the right way to live, Lord, which he showed us, but that we have to study through your word. So, Lord, you do call on us to give back these, the gifts that you have entrusted to us. So we ask that you bless these gifts, that they may be used so that others may come to know you and those that do know you, Lord, get to learn, get to know you even better. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wish, Iris and I want to wish all of you a wonderful beginning to a new, new year. I know with God there's no dates or times or years, but for us, that's how we mark progress and what's going on. So we trust that you have a wonderful year. Father, we thank you again for your word, Lord. I think of all the years that I have studied and taught your word and Lord, how every time we do it, every time we read it, Lord, it just adds more blocks to the foundation of our life, Lord. I often think of the well that we keep filling up so that when there's a need in our life, we can drop the hook and know there's something there that will help us. So, Father, I thank you for this morning, and Iris and I want to thank you especially for the love of this congregation. We have sensed it so long and so perfect. And may they know how much we love them. So, Father, as we thank you for your word today, we look forward to studying it together because we do it in Christ's name for his glory. Amen. 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 Well, the most often expressed emotion you would guess is what? Love. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kathy. <laughs> yeah, love. I trust that's the greatest emotion that we express. And uh, I tell Iris how much I love her. I try to do it often. So she knows that. It's, uh, nobody ever gets tired of hearing it. But I think the second, or at least the experts tell us, the second most felt emotion is regret. Regrets, um, things I wish I had done or things I wish I had not done. I wish I had shown up on time. I, I wish I had spoken up. And uh, over the holiday season, we probably said like I did, I wish I hadn't eaten that. <laughs> or eaten so much, maybe. But the word love is a tremendous emotion to it. But I, the word regret has a unique, unique sting to it. I wish things had turned out differently, and I know things could have been differently if I had done something different, acted on the earth. Iris and I, were great Chicago Cub fans, have been. Also, we love our teams here in Arizona, but um, 
The Cubs have always had a special place in our lives ever since we lived in the Midwest. So, you know, we might be disappointed in the Cubs this last year, but uh, we don't regret it. It's just disappointment. But, you know, regret has a way, it has a power. I don't know about you, but it has a way of keeping us awake at night. At least it has for me. Let me just give you a verbal picture of what regret is. I'm thinking of the gal Fran. She was a private duty nurse back in the 1930s. And uh, at one point, a man she worked for was working on appliances in his garage. And he said to her, Fran, I'm starting a new company. Take any money that you might have, invest in it, and what I'm doing, I'm joining up with some other people, and it's going to be really, really, really big. So whatever you have, invest in it. It's a great deal. Well, she had $10,000 back in our hometown, Rockford, Illinois, in the bank. She went to the bank to take it out, and she's a single gal. The banker was concerned. He was kind of the conservator of her estate. And um, he said to her, uh, Fran, we're we're not going to let you take money out for a risky deal like this. It's crazy. It's risky. This is a depression on us, and you can't do it. You'll regret it. So, Fran, no, we're not. We don't want you to take out your money. She didn't fight him on it, but it's so bad because uh, the name of the company was Sunbeam and uh, Appliance Corporation. By 1970s, when she died, Sunbeam was doing more than a billion dollars a year in sales. When I think of Fran, I think of her, what her life would have been like if she had put $10,000 in Sunbeam when it was operating out of the garage back in the Great Depression. By the way, my folks used to tell me about those days. I was born in 38, so I didn't know a whole lot about it because I was pretty young, uh, obviously too young. But my father was telling that uh, there was a very, very nice home in our neighborhood. And uh, they offered to sell it to my father for $8,000. Well, back then, that was still quite a bit of money, but it was a great bargain. But he told me a couple of times, he said that he often regretted that he didn't buy the house for $8,000. Or my father's gone to be with God, but before he passed away, of course, that house had appreciated and quite a bit of money. Well, the greatest emotion expressed is love, and I'm glad for that, and I hope you express love to your loved ones often. Never take it for granted that your husband or your wife assumes. And uh, I asked a guy one time, I said, do you tell your wife that you love her? He said, no, I haven't, you know, for years, she just knows it. I said, no, 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 that doesn't work. I said, you need to tell her. Go home and tell your wife how much you love her. But the second probably 
most emotion that we feel next to love is positive and I think the negative emotion probably is regret. Regret. Everybody, I think all of us know something about regret. People that uh, go down a road of addiction will often say, why did I go down that road? So the Bible's got a lot of regrets in it. I want to talk about them for just a few minutes this morning. My my watch has stopped at uh, quarter till 6 a.m., so we got lots of time. So don't worry about that. Uh, there's a regret of Adam and Eve when they ate the first, first fruit. There's the regret of Esau when he sold his birthright for a bowl of food. There's the regret of Samson when he told his secret to Delilah and lost his strength. There's the regret of Peter when he denied Jesus, and even though Jesus had warned him about it ahead of time, we know that he went off and he wept. Am I not turned on? Am I on? Okay, I hear, see a couple people cupping their ears, so. I'm not allowed? Oh, but I think uh, the worst, like I said, the greatest positive emotion is love. And I I trust we express it often. Don't just assume that the ones you love know you love them. Tell them, tell them, tell them often. Wear them out. I love you. I love you. And I think probably the worst emotion that we experience, as I said, is regret. And I think probably one of the worst regrets that we have in the Bible is probably harbored in the heart of a man named David. He had regrets. A word that desperately needed to be said by him but did not get said until it was too late. I think the Ability to have regrets is a gift from God, people. I think God gives us the ability to have regrets so we can make corrections when they need to be made. I think what would my biggest regret be when I get to the end of my life and how might God call me to change the way I'm living so that I don't end up with that regret or those regrets so that I can live with more hope and Less regret. So I think the best time to address it is now. It's early. The year just started. I know that years and dates don't mean anything to God, but to us they do. So sometime in the next 24 hours, I'd like you to think about um, this new year and what we're facing. I, I'm looking forward. I, you know me. I'm the incurable optimist. Like that song goes from South Pacific musical. Um, I always look on the bright side of things. I always have been that way. And sometimes uh, I think people wonder if I realize what's going on. But I do. I just try to give a positive twist to it.
And um, David's family, and I'm not going to go into the details. I'm talking about King David now in the Old Testament. His family was very, very, very messed up. I was reading through some of that this week, and I, I got discouraged just reading it. He was messed up. I th- sometimes we think we invented the concept of a dysfunctional family in our day, but I, I don't know. That's not true. I, I think all of us have dysfunction in our family somewhere. And I think if you had family together over the holidays, you probably realized it. Uh, I see you squeezing her hand. Uh, that you had family members who are dysfunctional. And we realize this Christmas holiday, New Year holidays, and I trust it's been a good one for you like it has for us. Folks, I have watched so many football games that, uh, <laughs> oh, I, and the thing is, the thing is and it's not a shame, I, I can't even tell you how they turned out. If you asked me who won the Orange Bowl, I couldn't tell you if I had to. But it was fun watching anyway. It was fun watching. And I know some of you don't care for football. And I know that uh, uh, some wives have made negligees out of AstroTurf so their husbands would pay attention to them. But uh, all of us realize that we have some dysfunctional members in our family, and if that dysfunctional person is not us, we we know some that are that way. And and King David's family was a mess. And you don't have to read much in the Old Testament to realize how messed up David's family was. And yet, he was a man after God's own heart. And I know that, Rick, it's good to see you. Rick always was asked to me, Pastor, he said, why is David given so much credit for so much when his life was so messed up? Because it was. His whole family was messed up. And uh, David's family was a sordid mess. Amnon, David's son, was obsessed with his half-sister, Tamar. And um, forced her to go to bed with him. And... Um, then it becomes a very dark story. It says in the scripture that then Abnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Second Samuel chapter 13. He called his personal, it says, he called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of here and bolt the door after her. He didn't refer to her as Tamar or as my sister, but this woman, get her out of here. I think when, um, when there's somebody that we want to depersonalize, we have ways of saying things that hurt. If a child does something good, mom always says, that's my boy. But if the child messes up, she says to her husband, look at what your son has done. Amnon is doing that here. 
He rejects Tamar and he says, so the servant put her out and bolted the door after her. Sordid story. Now in that old time, Old Testament culture, it took a lot of courage for a woman to go to her father, like David, like she did to her, to David. So the servant put her out, says. She's the only one person in the whole sordid story that had the integrity and the courage to tell her father what had happened. It took courage for her to do that. To set things, she waits and hopes that David will set things right. He will say something, do something, stand up for her, show just a little measure of that courage that she already has shown. David does nothing. David does nothing. His daughter, his son, it's a mess. But then Absalom, Tabar's full brother, he thinks that something will happen. So he invites her, Tabar, to live with him. Surely the king will do something. Surely my father will take some action. When the king heard all of this, he was furious. But listen, David was furious, but he did nothing. He did nothing. Didn't say a word. And I think sometimes as parents, we get so afraid of losing our children's affection that we're afraid to stand up to them. Maybe that's happened to you or is happening to you. Maybe David is embarrassed. He's compromised by his own history. He, you know, David and Bathsheba, that's a well-known story, unfortunately. But for whatever reason, we don't know. But David does nothing. He's passive. And I think one of the lessons that you and I need to learn is that... Um, When we don't deal with the wrong and the sin in our life directly, it leads to more damage. And you and I both know that. I'm 82 years old. I had to ask my wife this morning, remind me again, how old am I? I can't always keep track. But uh, when we don't deal with the sin in our life directly, when we don't deal with the wrong in our life directly, it leads to more damage. It always does. And it happened here as well. It leads to more sin. So when there's something in our life, when there is something in our life that is not pleasing to God, and you and I both know, but the Holy Spirit has a way of putting his finger on it, and if you are sensitive to God in your life, the Holy Spirit presses, presses, presses hard. I know. Folks, I'm 82 years old. I've been around the block a couple of times. I know it hurts. 
But I know the release that you can have when you lay it at the feet of Jesus, when you make confession. Father, as we think about the new year and look at the past, we all have some regrets. I don't think there's any of us here who have lived perfect lives. There are some things, Lord, that I've regretted that I've changed. But I'm so glad this morning that whatever's in our life, that we can leave those regrets at your feet. We know, Father, that you're going to help us take care of them. Lord, please help us not to drag 2020 into the new year, Father. Please help us, Lord, to leave it with you. Even if we have to do it every single morning, Lord. Thank you again because it's only in our relationship to you that we can know the perfect, absolute, perfect, wonderful sense of peace when we've asked you to forgive us. And Lord, we know this morning, it doesn't matter the size of the sin. You forgive. And you forget. Thank you, Father. As one of our members likes to remind me, you have removed as far as the east is from the west and you've buried in the depths of the deepest sea. Thank you for that forgiveness, for those little things in our life, those slips that we make, as well as those big mistakes and sins, Father. Oh, I'm so grateful, and we're so grateful that we can start the new year with a clean slate. Thank you, Father, for that. In Christ's name, as we leave it with you, amen. Oh, oh.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for what we've learned, and we we remember our regrets, Lord. Let us not be, be... There are times that they were bad. There's times that they were good good things that came out of them. But Lord, let us take this time and let us remember and let us ask forgiveness if they were regrets that, that were against your word. So Lord, we ask that we know that you will forgive us if we ask and if we are honest with you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Oh uh-huh.